All right, Ryan, so it's time. It is time. Welcome to By the Ghost Light, where uh, everything is made up and the points don't matter. And this is going to be a strange episode because we're kind of doing a little timey-wimey thing and recording this after we recorded the episode, but it'll probably go before the episode. I don't know. Ryan, Life Ryan, is weird. Ryan, don't There's show him how the sausage is made. Is this Groundhog Day? Hi, everyone. I'm Ryan. I'm Cassie. And Ryan is trying to guess the shows that I'm doing with HYT next season. I'm doing a straight play with 13 and up, and I'm doing an all-ages musical. Last time you guessed High School Musical, uh-huh. and you guessed Titus Andronicus Playground Edition, what are today's guesses? I felt pretty confident about those. I should also follow up with, you have already confirmed that those were the shows. So everything we're doing from here on out, maybe it's just suggestions for future seasons, because we've mm-hmm. already confirmed... That you were correct. Right. And the last that I was correct, because I absolutely 100% was correct. Now, I think I'm going to go a little bit different this time, because I think that your your play is probably going to be uh, a, a, a few fewer in this one, right? Maybe not, uh, you know, trying to squeeze every single student on stage that you can or need to. Uh, maybe you get to be a little bit more selective, Right? Maybe you get to or have to tell some kids no, which I know is your favorite thing in the world to do. It's true. I think that uh, your your full length play will be Death of a Salesman. Death of a Salesman. Okay. All right. Good guess. It's a classic. It is. You got to do the classic sometimes. Otherwise, how will the new generation learn? Exactly. Right. Yep. Um, you could do, uh, I think there's a sequel to it now, if I'm right, maybe. So am I, I doing Death of a Salesman or am I doing the sequel to Death of a Salesman? Oh, no, you're doing Death of a Salesman because you are okay. nothing if not a purist traditionalist. So you have to do it in the right order. It's true. Right? It's true. Yeah. Okay. You you would never do High School Musical 2 before High School Musical. Never. Never, ever. Um, so that leaves then for your, your musical um, quite a large cast. You have to fill in everyone, get all ages, and... I do think um, that the timing works out great. There's a lot of buzz around this show right now because uh, it just closed on The Great White Way. Uh, and it is a very, very white show, so it fits Northwest Ohio pretty well. I'm pretty sure you're doing Hugh Jackman's and Sutton Foster's Music Man. You know, Ryan, last week I told you that you had guessed my season. I had. But I actually week. lied to you. you Cassie, you why would you We're do not that? Doing, I Cassie. know, I know. Just for the for the pranks you know for the gram uh-huh. for the goofs on this podcast you know whatever so uh, we're not uh, that was a lie i was just kind of messing with you we're oh, not okay. doing high school oh. musical or titus andronicus playground edition but you got it exactly right this week did i amazing we are in fact doing death of a salesman and hugh jackman and sutton foster's music man yes not meredith wilson's music man no no, no not no. that version no Hugh and Sutton no, only. No, we're actually getting Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster. Mm-hmm. And then I will cast a Harold Hill and a Marion Librarian from within my kids who will just shadow the two of them through the whole show. Okay, okay. So you're really doing like a whole generational thing, right? Like We're going very avant-garde with it. Yeah, passing things along to the next generation. Teach them how to be con men young. No, I, yeah. I just reached out. I wrote a letter to these two Broadway stars and I was like, hey, why don't you come do uh this tiny like musical in this you know very rural northwest ohio group for children and they were like yeah sounds great they're actually really absolutely sweet about it, so that's amazing yeah. i mean it fits like music never know what be you can get until you ask. about our uh little little town there oh we yeah, got trouble so. trouble right here in river city i have high hopes for the season i'm very excited and i'm really impressed that you guessed it thank you i'm very impressed too and now we're going to dive into the rest of the episode where we're going to talk about the musicals that cassie actually wants to do hi welcome to by the ghost light my name's ryan my name's cassie and my bit today is asking cassie about the show that i'm about to do you're doing newsies i am doing newsies you know a little bit about Newsies. I do. But that's not where I was actually going to go. Uh, I get to do Streetcar now. That's right. You did get cast in a show. I did get cast in a show. I'm going to do Streetcar. Uh, Cassie, off the yeah. top of your head, could mm-hmm. you tell me what uh, Streetcar is about? I assume that there is a Streetcar in it. There, There is mention. Yeah. It might be named Desire. 
Yes, yes. I think we could talk about a few, but there is one that is uh, uh, quite desirable. And I, I know that there is a character named Mitch because that's the one you're playing. I sure am. Quite the bucket list show to check off. But uh, do you know when Streetcar was originally staged? Ooh, early part of the 20th century, I believe. I think it's 1940s. That, that counts. Yeah, so uh, 47. 47 on Broadway. Who wrote it, Cassie? See, you're doing the pop quiz thing again, Ryan. And while <laughs> I'm sure that this is information I should have, theater history in college was a long time ago. It was a very long time ago. I had to relook up a lot of stuff before I went into these auditions and callbacks. Um, Tennessee Williams. Tennessee Williams. Yeah, I was it going back and Tennessee forth between Williams. Arthur Miller. I was like, it's not an Arthur Miller show. It's the other one. Yeah, it's not Arthur Miller. It's not Oscar Wilde. It's the it's other guy. It's definitely not Oscar Wilde. No, it's the guy who's got a state named after him. Right. So, yeah, I'll be doing Streetcar Named Desire here at the end of April. I'll be playing Mitch, uh, whose real name is Harold apparently harold mitchell learned that didn't know that it has been quite a while since uh college theater history class mm-hmm. um, and then i also found out today that apparently there was a revival of streetcar over on uh the west end in london recently that's been getting some good reviews so i guess it's a timely piece uh for those of you out there who did not get a useless theater degree like cassie and i did Useless because uh, theater doesn't pay, not because the... I was going to say I use my theater degree all the time. Yeah, I use it all the time. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's it's a very pretty piece of paper that everyone really cares about. It is a, it's a timely piece, and it's going to be good. And uh, it's a long show. Mm-hmm. It's going to feel like doing Hamlet. Ooh. That's how I've been describing it to people, because when I tell people I've been cast in a show... If they're theater people, I can be like, yeah, it's uh, Streetcar Named Desire, Tennessee Williams play. And, and everybody's like, yeah, okay, cool, great. Or like, I've read it, or we studied it, or we whatever. Um, and only so many people have actually done it. It's not, all, it's not done that much. But when I tell anybody who has never taken a theater history class before, which is like 99% of the world, they're like, you're doing what? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's interesting. So it's easy to just be like, yeah, I'm doing like... American Shakespeare, and it's like kind of a bucket list thing. It's like an American classic. Well, you know, do you know who Marlon Brando is? Me? Yes. Yeah, most people? No. It's uh, it's a sad, strange world we live in. But here we are, trying to do theater anyway. But here we are, trying to do theater anyway. Uh, we do have a couple of news items that we are going to jump into before we jump into the main topic for today's show, which is uh, going to be Cassie Gets on a Soapbox. I have it ready and waiting in the wings. Schmigadoon will return. I'm excited because I don't know if I had actually watched Schmigadoon the last time Schmigadoon came up on this podcast, but I have now watched it. Have you? Okay. I, I have. have not. I have still not seen it. I have seen clips. Um, yeah, we, I finally caved and got Apple Plus so that I could watch Spirited for this podcast. And so then I was like, okay, well now I need to watch all of the things that are on Apple Plus that I've been wanting to watch. One of which was Schmigadoon. Yeah. Uh, And it is delightful, especially if you are a musical theater nerd, because then you understand all of the jokes and references. Amazing. Uh, Apparently season two is... Schmicago. Schmicago, yeah. Coming so out in April. Schmigadoon. Schmigadoon is really like focusing in on the golden age of musicals. I- named after Brigadoon, which is a golden age musical. And now Schmicago season two is going to head into the grittier kind of 70s and 80s era of musicals. I just need to read this list of feature players in Schmigadoon Season 2, Schmicago. In addition to Keegan-Michael Key and Cecily Strong returning, second season will feature Ariana DeBose, fresh off of Westside and Hamilton, Martin Short, Dove Cameron, Jamie Camille, Kristen Chenoweth, Alan Cumming, Anne Harada, Jane Krakowski, Aaron Tavit. Titus Burgess and Patrick Page. 
And here's the thing. Most of them were in season one. Right. Not all of them, but most of them. Um, so there's some new names coming in, but Kristen Chen with Alan Cumming, Aaron Tveit, Dove Cameron, Ariana DeBose, they were all in season one. I think Patrick Page is new. Mm-hmm. Martin Short is new. This will be something for sure. But I think, yeah, I think most of the other people that you named are returning. I guess it's time for me to watch it. Watch season one so I can watch season two. Titus Burgess is new as well. He wasn't in season one. He was too busy doing uh, Kimmy Schmidt last time, I think. Probably. Probably. Uh, We have more news, which is uh, two uh, new musicals have announced their uh, cast recordings coming out. Uh, Some Like It Hot. We will get uh, March 24th digitally, and then physical will follow. And then we also get what Cassie's been waiting for. Kimberly Akimbo will come out February 14th. A couple of weeks. Be able to listen to that. Can't wait. So excited. And apparently that's coming out on Ghostlight Records, so I guess we're involved. Oh, sweet. I love that. I didn't even know that was a thing, and now I do. Can you hold off on your soapbox for one more second? Ryan, I really want to get on my soapbox, but okay. Okay, because there's another new musical headline I got to read because there's some people in this. Okay. There's a new show by uh, Adam Goodall and Craig Lucas who did Light in the Piazza. It's going to be called Days of Wine and Roses, and they've announced their two leads. It's Kelly O'Hara and Brian Darcy James. Yep. I did hear about this on TikTok. Thank you, TikTok. Um, Thank you, TikTok. It's adapted from a film from the 60s, and the world premiere will be with the Atlantic Theater Company running May 5th through June 25th. I literally know nothing else about this. Complete casting still to be announced. But if they got these two to agree to it, I'm pretty sure we'll have a Broadway announcement about four months later. Most likely, yes. Unless it's terrible. Could go either way. Who knows? Could go either way. Sometimes shows are great. Sometimes they're terrible. Sometimes you got to wait till you see them on stage. Uh, or you could be like Cassie and just write off junior musicals because they have the word junior in it. Cassie, this is your cue. Okay. Listen, Ryan. <laughs> the new piece, another piece of, of Broadway news is that MTI, Musical Theater International, has announced the new shows that they have juniorized that's a good verb i like it Uh uh-huh so if you're not at all familiar let me give you a little bit of history yes i do have this all typed up in a document because i've given this speech before if you listened to my other podcast of slippers and spindles when we did into the woods month We spent a week talking about adaptations of Into the Woods where we talked about the movie and we talked about Into the Woods Jr. So you may have heard this before, but if you haven't, the Broadway Junior Collection was launched by Musical Theater International in 1996. That's how old it is, Ryan. That seems... Wow, I didn't know it was quite that old. Yeah, it is is that old. And the first one was Into the Woods, right? I don't know what the first one was. I haven't done that much research. But... The claim of the junior collection, according to the website, I'm mm-hmm. quoting, junior shows are designed to designed to suit school assemblies as well as the energies and attention spans of younger performers. They are condensed author-approved versions of classic musicals, Disney favorites, and modern works, custom tailored to the needs of young people and schools. The music is written in keys that are appropriate for developing voices, and all shows can be expanded to accommodate as many performers as can fit on your stage. Our 30-minute kids' shows are generally appropriate for performance by elementary school-aged students, and our 60-minute junior shows are typically appropriate for performance by middle school-aged students. I have so many things to say already. (laughs) Me too. And I want to be very clear. The stated mission... Of the junior collection is one that I can get behind. It is the execution (laughs) where we fall flat. You're going to get an interesting conversation on this because I'm very much against junior musicals and Ryan almost exclusively directs junior musicals. It's a funny thing. Should I talk about that or is there more to this mission statement? Uh, There's there's more to this first. Okay, you do that. So, So... 
a junior there's actually three tiers of junior musical that mti puts out um there is a school edition that's aimed at high Mm -hmm. schoolers that usually cuts the show down to 90 minutes the junior version cuts the show down to 60 minutes and then the kids version is basically just a musical review and it cuts it down to 30 minutes and it's basically just like go sing songs yes the goal of cutting a show down to a 60 minute time slot is achieved by cutting or changing scenes and songs with inappropriate content cutting this is me now this is not me quoting anymore okay that's a cutting information Yes. Cutting or simplifying music that is too difficult for young voices and cutting enough other stuff to get us down to 60 minutes story and character development be damned. The options of junior shows range from I'm uncomfortable watching middle schoolers do some of this in any format. Shows that include Drowsy Chaperone Jr., It Should Have Been You Mm -hmm. Jr., and Mm -hmm. Legally Blonde Jr. I've done Legally Blonde Jr. To... I know you have. We're going to talk about that in a minute. We're we're going to talk about Legally Blonde Jr. Because I have, while I have issues with the junior musical, like, in general, I have specific issues with sure. Legally Blonde Jr. So that's that's one end of the, the spectrum. And then the other end of the spectrum is, how is the original option not kid-friendly enough? Sure. Which includes shows like Captain Louie. Is there a full version of Captain Louie? There is a full version of Captain Louie, and there is a junior version of Captain Louie, which, if you're not familiar, is about a group of elementary school kids on Halloween playing imagination games. There's a junior version of that show. There's a junior version of Dear Edwina, Mm -hmm. which, again, is about a middle schooler. There's a junior version of High School Musical. I've done that. Of of Honk. That doesn't need to exist. Of Susical. Why? Of A Year with Frog and Toad. Yes, there is. And that's that's bad. That's bad. I've read that one. And most recently, in the new announcement of shows that have been juniorized, they just announced 13 Junior. Sure did. 13, notably, is the only production that has ever played on Broadway that was written for young performers exclusively. The show is about mm-hmm. a 12-year-old. It is about a group of 12-year-olds. Why are we making that a junior musical? It's already written for kids. Money uh, is the answer, as it always is, unfortunately. Do you have more? Yes. Uh, do you have yes, more? I do. I just, I'm I do. sorry. I do. I've got, dear I've got dear listener, the... I just need you to know that Cassie made a face. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, now I will, I will give credit where it is due. I understand that junior shows offer heavily reduced fees and and royalties. Mm-hmm. So they are much cheaper to produce. They offer um, like a full director's packet for like first time directors. Sure do. I'll talk about that. They offer canned music for rehearsals and performance so that you don't have to worry about finding mm-hmm. an orchestra. And I get it. I used yep. to be, when I was younger and more radical, I used to be like, rah, 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 anybody who ever does a junior show is morally corrupt and should feel bad. And I am now in a position where, because I am more directly involved in a theater company where we have to think about things like rights and paying an orchestra, mm-hmm. I am aware of the financial benefit to doing junior shows. And I do understand why middle schools, why some, you know starting out theater companies that don't have a strong financial position and maybe are doing this for the first time or just need a big name show but don't have the budget to do the full version like i get it i understand why this exists and i understand the benefit of it but i find the concept of the junior collection as it exists right now to be insulting to kids Mm -hmm. It is insulting to assume that my students aren't capable of learning hard music or that my music director isn't capable of adapting harmonies to fit the students that we have. It's insulting to assume that my kids can't focus for longer than 60 minutes when we consistently put on two hour or longer shows and work through three, four, five hour rehearsals. And it's insulting to assume that they can't handle hard topics and complex 
storytelling ideas. And the people who are in charge of adapting these shows are not adapting them thoughtfully. They're not adapting them in like what way is going to help enhance the story and, you know, makes the most sense. They're going to keep iconic songs, whether or not they contribute to the plot. Some, we'll talk about yeah, Legally Blonde. We'll talk about in Legally a Blonde. Some, sometimes. There have been some shows that they've cut songs and I've gone, really? We'll talk about that too. Yeah, we can talk about that as well. But, and and for all that they say on their website, like that this is author approved, I, I refuse to believe that in every situation. I refuse to believe that James Lapine and Stephen Sondheim gave them permission to cut Act Two of Into the Woods for Into the Woods Jr. Because Act Two is the whole point of the show. I know for a fact that Stephen Schwartz didn't give them permission to cut the prologue in Godspell Jr. Because he's done a Q&A on his website. Where he says, in answer to a question that somebody's asked about, like, how do you feel about people cutting the prologue because it's so difficult? He has said, do not cut the prologue from Godspell because the prologue from Godspell is vitally important to the story. So, like, the whole author approved thing is, is, I believe, stretching the truth quite a bit. And it's just like, I understand that MTI is not in the business of creating theater content like original theater content they're just licensing content that already exists and i get that but i wish that we were putting this time and this energy into actually legitimately creating theater intended for young performers not just offering young performers adult shows that have been dumbed down for them I have about 15 different ways we could take this conversation, and this is going to be great. I hope that uh, you have written down what you said because we could just jump back point by point. And I think we could we, we could talk about this I for 45 minutes. It'll yes, be great. We could. Um, so uh, let's start with um, junior musicals exist so that school, you know, poorer public schools or poorer organizations or less uh, artistically inclined groups so that they can do shows that kids hopefully know or recognize. I have directed uh, 10 junior musicals now. Uh, Newsies is my 10th. It'll be up in two weeks or so, Um, which I know there's no way I'm the person who's done the most junior musicals, but I have to imagine there's only so many people on the planet that have done 10. Um, and I've done them all at the same school, uh, on the same stage, uh, you know, sometimes with the same props, it seems like. And when I got this job, I uh, was inheriting a drama program that um, only did one show a year, and it had been kind of run into the ground. There wasn't a lot of interest, and I was basically given free reign to do whatever I wanted to do very little very little oversight very little restrictions on me I got to you know decide when all the rehearsals were when we were doing the show when when the show dates were uh, how many I wanted to cast how many I could cast what we wanted to do set props everything how it was going to fit in the school I was pretty much given free reign on every single decision except it had to be a junior musical because it was something that the non-artistic ad- ad- administration knew. They knew it was safe. They knew they could say, just pick any one of those and we'll be fine and then do whatever you want to do and then the kids will do it. They, they knew nothing about selecting a show. They knew nothing about uh, what was current or what was popular or why you would or wouldn't pick a show for you know, length or content or... Uh, singability, all of these things, but they knew that they could point me to MTI and say, if it says junior, we know we can do it and we don't have to go to the board of education. We don't have to go to the superintendent. We don't have to this. We don't have to that. We know it's safe. We know we can do it and we're fine. Side note, that's how I got away with Legally Blonde Junior. Nobody questioned anything, so I just got to do it. It was great. Uh, (laughs) um, But I've done 10 now. Uh, I've done... Well, I've done nine. I've done Beauty and the Beast twice. Um, And I 
started in kind of the same vein that you were th- talking about being in Cassie. The uh, I can't believe that somebody would do this. Like this isn't art. This isn't theater as it should be. This is somehow lesser, or this is somehow um, like it doesn't count or it doesn't matter as much. And I lost that attitude within a couple of weeks of rehearsals just because some of the kids were really, really good and we could figure it out and make it happen. The first year I did um, Guys and Dolls Jr. I'm very glad I did some of the Golden Age stuff early and first. I really didn't want to do Disney because um, I, you know, I wanted to do art. If I had to do a junior version, at least I was going to do art. I was going to do something important, right? So we could did Guys and Dolls and I got a 12 year old, you know, to perform drunk on stage because that's in the show. Right. There's Bacardi jokes in Guys and Dolls Jr. And we're doing it. And I'm like, um, are we going to get in trouble? This is a, a middle to upper middle class, like mostly white school. How much trouble am I going to get in? I don't know. But because it has the junior name on it. It's fine. And see, that's frustrating to me because some of the things that get kept in these junior shows are astounding to me mm-hmm. like I have been I have been physically uncomfortable watching a performance when I wasn't supposed to be like it wasn't a, a show that was supposed to make me uncomfortable like to mm-hmm. inspire thought or whatever I have been actively uncomfortable watching a show twice in my life and the first was when a local group that shall go unnamed did a production of Jane Eyre where they cast a 45-year-old man as Rochester and a 15-year-old girl as Jane. Yeesh. Okay. That's not um, good. I was uncomfortable watching that show. And the second time was watching not your middle school, but another middle school the same year mm-hmm. do Legally Blonde Junior. Oh, good. I don't think high schools should do Legally Blonde, like the full version. And I definitely don't think middle schoolers should do it. I don't want to watch a middle schooler sexually assault another middle schooler on stage. It makes me uncomfortable. And so I don't understand why that show has gotten a junior version when the the crux of the plot and the crux of the character development is about something that is so adult. Mm-hmm. It is uh, wildly adult. So I did do Legally Blonde Junior, uh, I don't know, probably five years ago at this point. They changed several things. Uh, some some songs are shorter because like, they have to be like the the opening number to that show is like 11 minutes long right so for the junior version they cut it down to like seven and it they split it up into a couple of parts for the track uh most of the juniors do this thing where they they keep verse one chorus and verse two but and then a chorus and then that wraps it up usually so the songs are instead of a song being four minutes it's like two minutes or two and a half or um so like i'm doing newsies right now watch what happens is usually like a four four minute long song it's like two and a half um because they cut out what they need to cut out and it's not always correct or perfect or anything but it does help with casting going back to legally blonde junior but also going back to the director's book that you mentioned the director's book for legally blonde junior was very specifically put together and they send it they send this to you when you pick the show and you do the show um and it has little notes in the margins. It's like, oh, don't forget to think about this for this scene. Or maybe do this for choreography. Or maybe th- have the actors think about this. If you know what you're doing, you don't need it. But if you don't know what you're doing, it's invaluable. Or it's, hey, you've seen the full version. Here's a note in this junior text because something changed. And it kind of changes how you tell the story. Which happens often and can be frustrating. But for Legally Blonde... And for a lot of shows, they have made specific cuts to reduce the number of male singing roles often because they know that it's going to be mostly uh, girls or females performing this. So when I do Legally Blonde Jr., Callahan doesn't sing. Blood in the Water is a monologue. He has a line, I think, uh, in Whipped into Shape, and it's fine. And then he just speaks. So it means that I don't have to worry about finding someone who can sing it to do the role. I can give this to the male actor that I have that I can trust with the content and I know we can work through it. Now that 
that scene, that sexual assault scene is in there and we did it very specifically and we talked about it from day one and I was uncomfortable the whole time, but we only did it because I knew that year I had a couple of actors that could do it. The girl we had to play, Elle, crushed it and then I knew I had a couple of guys that could tackling important issues on the stage and that they were going to be good and respectful about it and that um, and they could be trusted with it. Most of the time I wouldn't do it. I don't know. I wouldn't do it without knowing what kids I had for sure. Um, and it was still uncomfy. But on the other hand, we got to like have some real open and frank and honest discussions with the cast that otherwise, I don't know that these kids are going to get to talk about, uh, like we got to talk about me too in a pretty productive way throughout the rehearsal process. Should that be your reason for picking the show? No, 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 no. Yeah. But if you can use it. And that's phenomenal that you were able to create that moment for those kids. But that is because you are very thoughtful in that way. You are experienced enough mm -hmm. and you knew going in like this is something I'm going to have to tackle. And and you as a director built that into your show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But how many directors who are doing a junior show are approaching it? Not enough. That Not enough is the answer to that. There are a lot of very poorly put together and bad junior productions out there. It's billed as um, here's a show in a box. Like the box shows up and it has the director's book. It has all of with all the notes. Like it's got a choreography DVD in it. It's got all the actor scripts in it. It's got. Uh, your musical score, and it's got your uh, canned tracks. Like It's like, here it all is in the box. Here's your box. Put on a show. Anybody can do it. And that's great if you're doing, like, I don't know, uh, <laughs> Dr. Doolittle Jr. or, uh, you know, maybe Elf Jr., right? Like, where you don't have to try too hard or there's not a lot going on. Like, it's fine. You can figure it out. Or if you did, um, you know, there's a Madagascar Junior. I do. Yeah. Some of these shows where it's like, yeah, sure, go on, English teacher. It's fine. Do it. There's two different varieties of Junior show within this collection. Sure. There's are. the Junior versions that are adapted versions of a full length production, stage production. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then there's Junior versions of like, we took your favorite Disney movie and we're letting you put it on stage. Yep. So sure that was are. Aladdin Jr. before Aladdin was a stage musical. And mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure there was a Frozen Jr. before Frozen was a stage musical. And yes. Yeah. So there's a couple of those. And the trick to those is that's how they get around the we can't like you can't nobody. Nobody can do Frozen. Right. You can't get the rights to Frozen. Right. But you can do Frozen you can Jr. Do Frozen Jr. Right. And that's how they get around a lot of that. Same with Aladdin. You can't do Aladdin, but you can do Aladdin Jr. You can do M Mulan Jr. There's not a Mulan, but you can do Mulan Jr. You can do Mulan Jr. And and I did junior shows as a kid. Um, my theater group did Annie Jr. when I was a sophomore, and we did Music Man Jr. when I was a junior. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't in enough of Annie Jr. to remember the significant changes that were made, so I mm -hmm. can't really speak to like how well that was adapted. It should be noted that I hate the regular Annie. Annie's terrible. There are things that I imagine they cut where it's it's only for the better. The show's not going to get worse. <laughs> the show's not going to get worse. But Music Man, in the full version, the romance is not well developed. Like, no. Like, in the regular version of Music Man, that romance needs more stage time it needs more development sure does and so then when you're like condensing it down into an hour you're losing the very little bit of, of so romance bad. development that you are initially getting but hey 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 we're gonna keep all of shapoopy in sure are absolutely can't cut a moment of that no, I did that one. That was the second one I did. I did Guys and Dolls and I did Music Man. And Music Man, Guys and Dolls is way better. Guys and Dolls Jr. is actually fine. Music Man Jr. is problematic because they keep all of the Native American stuff for yeah, that town hall that. scene. That That's they all still in there. Poopy. You can't they get cut, White Knight. They cut White Knight. They cut White Knight. They cut Mary and the Librarian. Yep. They cut Sadder But Wiser Girl. They cut all of these songs that actually give you insight to who Harold Hill is. 
and why this relationship with Marion is different. Marion barely sings. Marion hardly sings at all. Which is, yeah, which is not abnormal for junior versions for them to take the characters and go, okay, so we're going to take this character and get rid of a lot of the singing elements of it so that when you have the 12-year-old who's going through voice changes or can't sing but is a great actor, like there's a place to put them is the thought process. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It do- doesn't work in Music Man because they did it to a female role. They can, mm-hmm. if they do it to the male roles, usually fine. So like I'm doing Newsies right now. Pulitzer doesn't sing ever. Yeah, that makes sense. And it works great. Let the Newsies sing and dance. Let the girls sing and dance. Put them all in hats. It's a good time. And then my guy, whose <laughs> his voice is changing pretty drastically. I'm like, you don't have to worry about it. Don't sing. You get to play this. It'll be good. Yeah. And it's just like, it's the adapt, the adaptive choices that boggle me sometimes. So I'm going to go back to Legally Blonde Jr. Great. Because I, I have vivid memories of it because I was so horrified I coming out of that theater. I think script is somewhere here. I don't know. So I have it somewhere. I'm, I'm sitting there watching Legally Blonde Jr. with middle schoolers. And we get to Bend and Snap. And they start singing Bend and Snap. And sure they start do. dancing Bend and Snap. Absolutely. And I'm like, how did this song stay in this show? They changed one lyric. Look at the my first abs. Line, look at yeah, my the abs. first line is look, look at my look at ass, my... look at my thighs. And they changed it to look at my abs, look at my thighs, because apparently that's better. That's fine. Uh, and yep. then none of the other lyrics of this incredibly suggestive song yep. were changed. None of the choreography of this incredibly suggestive song was changed. They spent five minutes of their 60 minutes singing Bend and Snap. And I'm sitting there going, okay, well, I guess this song is important for the plot in the trial because the bend and snap is set up as the way that Elle knows that this guy has perjured himself on the stand and that's part of how she saves the day. I was like, okay, so that's fine. But then we get to the trial scene and that plot point is cut. It is not there. It is there. Not in the version I saw. It was in my version. (laughs) So they must have, maybe they cut it for content. Maybe they they cut some more. That's wild because in, that is script, it is in the junior version. I, it's probably on my shelf back there. Like that is still in there. We did that because, um, that was, because it was a conversation. I, we had had that conversation with, uh, RL, but then also with pool boy character. I don't remember the character's name, but like we had to be like, hey, this is what's happening. Are we all aware of this? Like, we good? Get the giggles out now. Okay. Well, the version that I saw, which again was not your school's production, that moment was not there. And I was like, why did we spend five minutes singing Bend and Snap if that plot point doesn't even come back? That's wild. No, that that plot point is absolutely still there because it's because it's what because when I did it with, uh, Tim and Tim was my choreographer for it when we did it and Tim and I had that conversation about bend and snap and Tim said I have another way to do it if you don't want to do the like original choreography or whatever like he's like I've I've figured out a way we can do it I think it'll work I'm like and we were gonna do it differently and then as we were getting more familiar with the script we realized that it was a plot point we're like we can't change it like we have to do this so I think we changed some of the choreography. Well, Tim changed some of the choreography because he doesn't like doing the original choreography. But we did the bend and snap. So I've got Tim teaching all these 12-year-olds how to do the bend and snap. Like, this is happening. This is what we're doing. Okay, great. Yeah. So just that show shouldn't be done by middle schoolers. Drowsy Chaperone shouldn't be done by middle schoolers. The thing I will say, like, in in defense of allowing some of that in is by doing Legally Blonde Jr. and doing it that way and keeping that in. The students that were taught that choreography and then got to perform it, some of their parents talked about how much their confidence grew. Right? And then these are some kids that, you know, they went from very shy to very outspoken or they formed their friend group and they all these things. And, you know, I remember one girl saying at one point, like, because we had to talk about these things here. It was the only place in the school that she felt safe. And that's phenomenal. And I'm glad that that's there and that we can do it. And I'm glad that I've got that culture there, but boy, it's so easy for that to go wrong. 
It is, especially because this is marketed as a show in a box. Mm -hmm. And so if you've got the overworked English teacher who's getting shoved the theater program because it's going to give them, you know, a few extra hundred dollars on their paycheck Mm -hmm. and they're not approaching it in this thoughtful way and they're just pulling stuff out of the box and saying, okay, here, let's go. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. It's Then you're not going to have those moments and you're actually potentially creating traumatic moments yes. for these kids absolutely 100%. and so like that that's just that's more about speaking to you and the culture that you create with these students which is phenomenal but when you market your show as oh anybody can do this you don't need any specialized training there's so many places where you're not going to have that conversation and you're not going to have that focus on creating a safe space. Sure. Absolutely. hundred percent. I think it's why people, uh, you know, come back to the shows and everything, but also why like <laughs> we have people talk about and compare, uh, you know, my shows at the middle school to the other shows at the local high schools or whatever. And they're like, yeah, we'd much rather watch yours because the kids seem like they're learning more or care more or whatever. I don't know. It's a whole thing. But I, I can't imagine not doing a junior show at this school now simply because like I figured out how it works really well and I feel good about doing it. But there's also about about 70 or 80% of the junior titles I'm not doing. Like I'm just not touching them. I will not do it. The thing I have learned is that I get way more buy-in from the students if they're already familiar. Right. Right. Um, and that's good and bad because sometimes the the music has changed, so I, they have to, like, relearn how to sing Part of Beauty and the Beast because the music is written differently so that it's a little bit easier to sing in places. But also we do something like Newsies or Singing in the Rain or, um, or Into the Woods – and some of the kids know and are familiar, and I'm. it's very easy to figure out which 12-year-olds are theater kids, which ones are aware of things, which ones are invested. And you get to do all these fun things. We're ne- I'm never going to do, you know, Dear Edwina Jr. or Captain Louie Jr. or, you know, uh, Honk Jr. There's so many on this list. Like, it's all – they're just not great. I'm not touching them. Peter Pan Jr. is kind of racist. Well, Peter Pan is kind of racist. Yeah, that's fair. Like, and then there's all the ones I'm like, can't do Sister Act, can't do Hairspray, can't do, you know, we don't have the right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right students for this. You know, there's uh, there's <laughs> there's Magic Treehouse musicals now. Yes, there is a Magic there, Treehouse it's, musical. Oh boy, mm-hmm. I have uh, I think there's two. There was a second one at one point. Uh, there's a Junie B. Jones musical too. They're bad. Mm-hmm. They're bad. Yeah. I will not touch yeah. them. Here's. Here's what I wish. Here's what I wish we could get from MTI. First of all, like one of the big arguments, as you said, for these junior shows is that there's like the guide for a director. If Mm -hmm. you've never done this before, here's how you do it. Why is that only a junior musical thing? Sure. Like why isn't that just an option from MTI for every show? That would make sense. I What I want from MTI, instead of doing junior kids, which is like particularly ridiculous, mm-hmm. it's like seriously, just sing the songs from The Lion King and call it a day. Yes. Like, anyway. Um, if you really want to make big name shows accessible for young performers, then give us reduced royalty rates. That. If we are an educational company or a middle school company, like royalty rates should not be solely dependent on the size of your theater. Mm -hmm. There should be other factors that contribute to what you're charged for royalties. I would be much more willing to do a show. Well, I would be capable of doing a show like Beauty and the Beast or any of the big Disney shows if there was a reduced royalty rate for my company. Yep. Give us key options so that we can transpose songs up and down as needed to match the voices that we have sure and give us streamlining options so like hey you're doing newsies but you're doing it with middle schoolers or with high schoolers and you don't have someone who can sing pulitzer okay you have the option 
to cut Pulitzer songs. Sure. You have the option to replace this scene. But let the actors be challenged to take on the original text or the original songs if you have the group that can handle it. And stop juniorizing shows that are already written for young performers. Yeah, it's that's a real problem. Like everything else is I like do you get into the legalese of like how would you write this contract and how do you, you know, mass produce it and yada yada yada. I mean, half of these shows are build as like here wear our show shirts and jeans and do this show and like this guy has a prop and this guy has a hat and that's all you need like it's meant to be done easily and cheaply wherever you can like that that range of options would be nice but from like a legal and financial standpoint i don't i don't know how they do it and if mti isn't doing it like nobody right. else will because they're the big ones 13 junior though is egregious Especially because, so so when they announced these new shows, they did it at, like, a youth theater festival down in Atlanta. And they they performed, like, the opening number. The hardest song in 13, because HYT did 13 a few years ago. The hardest song in 13 is the opening song. Because Jason Robert Brown likes to switch key signa- uh, time signatures sure. every other measure. Right. And so there's this really awkward, like, extra rest partway through. So, like, the hardest song is the opening song. They did the opening song. It has not changed. It is exactly the same. Of course Awkward not. rest and all. The only thing that happened is that I think they made it lower because their Evan was clearly an 18-year-old or older. He was a baritone. Right. Yeah, that's not how like, anybody's going to perform that. Listen, listen. When I did 13, was my Evan 17 years old? Yes, he was. But he was a 17-year-old tenor. And I made him sing everything up the octave. Yeah, that's kind of the whole point of that show. And, like, uh, the opening... I stopped watching this video after the opening spoken line. Because Evan... It's about a kid who's turning 13 and his bar mitzvah's coming up. And they sing, like, a little bit of the opening of the song. And then he has a monologue to the audience. And the monologue goes, my name is Evan Goldman. I live at 224 West 92nd Street in the heart of Manhattan. And my life just went to hell. And like that sets you up immediately for like, this is the kind of show this is going to be. It's going to be real and it's going to be raw. We just had a 13-year-old curse at you on stage. And it's not even a bad curse. And the junior version has changed that line so that now he says, and my life just fell apart. And I'm like, no, that does not land. No, that, that does not hit. It doesn't land, but that's how they juniorize it. That's for sure how that you. But get bend and that. snap is fine. We can't say hell on stage. Yeah, the line for what gets changed or cut is interesting. Because like, bend and snap is the great example. Like we can do bend and snap, but we can't say ass. Okay, um, we can do whipped into shape, but we can't say ass. Right? They do yeah. cut gay or European though. Yeah. But so, I don't know that that's yeah. content related. No, it's that's probably more time. But it just, I would really love to dive into the brains of the people who are doing this. But there's so many people doing this now. It's not like the same two people have made every mm-hmm. single junior version. So I'm like, what are the guidelines? What are the lines? Where does it, what is okay? What is not okay? I would love to know that. Case in point, they just announced Mean Girls Junior can't wait to read that there's already a mean girls school edition yep yep so like there there are some shows where they have what's called a school edition which is aimed at high school where you can't sanitize it enough for middle school so we're gonna let the high schoolers do it but we're gonna take out some of the so there's like there's avenue q school edition there's rent school edition yeah you're not gonna do a junior version of that show no it's mostly just for language and to get it past the censors and the board Right, and I have less of a problem with that. And I'm not saying that there aren't decent junior shows out there. For example, I know that one of the things that you really like about Newsies Junior is that they take out what you feel is a superfluous romance. They do. So one of the main 
changes that they make with Newsies Jr. is that there is no rom- there is no romance between Jack and Catherine. It's just not there. Now, if you're looking at a full script and saying, I have to cut out 40 minutes of content and parts of songs and two whole songs, and you have to look at things to cut, like sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it makes sense, sometimes it doesn't. For Newsies, they cut that romance out completely. Like you could like suggest it back in and do some more stage direction and it could work, but like the parts of Watch What Happens, Catherine's song that they cut are all the lines where she's singing about Jack. And instead, Mm -hmm. Catherine's arc is just um, Pulitzer's daughter who's going under a pen name to published journalist getting a job and doing her part to help all of these children. And that's her arc. And that's all it needs to be. It's great. And then Jack's arc is still the same thing, except instead of Jack staying for the girl, Jack is staying. Jack stays because Crutchy asks him to. Right. And so so it's not that it's impossible for a junior show to make good adaptive choices. And I'm not saying that some of these full length shows don't need editing because they do. Absolutely. But most of the time when this adaptation is happening, it's not being done with that kind of care and it's not being done with that kind of attention. And and we talked about this on my other podcast when we talked about Into the Woods. Yes, Into the Woods is a long show. It is two and a half hours, but it is tight. Everything that is in Into the Woods is there for a reason. There is nothing superfluous in that show. No, there's not. And so to go through Into the Woods Jr. and see the things that they're just like cutting half of this line and cutting half of this sung verse it like it just it loses all cohesion i'm not saying that junior shows don't have their place because they absolutely do but i wish that they were chosen with more care and not just with an eye to what's going to make us money and i legitimately wish and this goes back to our whole conversation about broadway being a business and everything is about capitalism and the bottom line But I genuinely wish that we would start putting more time and energy and effort and money into actually writing shows that are good quality musicals that are intended to be performed by young people. That would be amazing. Like that's the actual answer to this conversation. That is the actual answer to this conversation. And my problem is anytime MTI puts out a new list of junior shows and I look at it, I go, okay, cool, here's an adaptation of some Disney thing. Here's an adaptation of some other full show thing or whatever. And then it's like, cool, I'm going to do this freaking kangaroo show that nobody knows and I don't know anything about. Or I'm going to do Singing in the Rain Jr. Because, well, I guess I can teach them about the Golden Age and there's some songs in here that they may know. And, yeah, let's figure that out. What interests me? I know I would rather do the one that isn't you know, some original thing. But the original thing is probably better for, like, the theater community as a whole to do. I want to know overall numbers for these shows and how many are actively being licensed and how many licenses they're selling. I would love to know those numbers. MTI will never actually tell us. Like, they might tell us, like, here's our top five or here's our top ten for the last six months. But actual licensing numbers we'll never we'll never see. Yeah. And and like I said, 13 the musical is the only show that has ever played on Broadway with a cast that was entirely under the age of 18. And it ran for four months, Mm -hmm. which is a decent run for that kind of show. But Broadway is not going to prioritize shows for young performers because they're so much more expensive to produce mm-hmm. because of child labor laws. Yep. And it's not a priority. Nope. And and what this all really boils down to for me is that I am so tired of this perpetuated stigma of theater for young people being lesser than other kinds of theater. And that's a larger conversation. It is a larger conversation. Um, and it's... And we've kind of talked about before, like, I think last episode, you know, we talked about, like, can theater be just fun or does it have to have a point? 
Um, and I know we've talked before about, uh, you know, like what is what is the point of educational theater? Like is the point to get to the end and put on a show for the audience or is the point what did the kids learn along the way? You know, did they learn art and appreciation of art and theater and a performing form and on and on and on? Um, there's plenty of times with the junior versions where like the goal is to get the kids to the show, but my goal the whole time is you're going to learn this, you're going to learn this, you're going to learn this, and you're going to be better theater practitioners by the time I'm done with you. Or you're going to know, you're at least going to know which one is stage left, right? Like, if we can mm-hmm. get there, we'll be good. I do love the canned music aspect of it. It is really, really nice to not have to worry about an accompanist. I can just cue up the track and we can go. Um, the way that they work, uh, for those listening along at home, they send you uh, two different versions of the score, one with uh, rehearsal vocals, so one with the actual vocals on the tracks, and then another one that's the performance orchestrations uh, without the vocals. So there's a rehearsal track and a performance track. And uh, does it lead to the kids trying to imitate the singers on the track? Sure, a little bit, but that's going to happen anyway. Um, they're going to go listen to the full version or somebody else do it. That's going to happen. Um, also, they're, you know, 12, and that's what they do. But it is so much easier for rehearsals to not have to worry about what the orchestra is going to do, to worry about, you know, can my piano player show up this day or not? Do I have to play while I'm trying to direct? Um, and then I also get to serve as my own music director which means it's one fewer person I have to find for my production team, which is huge as well. But yeah. it still sounds like a full show, and the kids are rehearsing with the music from day one. It's just uh, – it is going to be really hard whenever the day comes that I'm directing a show and I don't have these tracks to fall back on because I've gotten so used to it, and I absolutely understand the draw of the, the canned tracks. And again, I feel like that's something that could be folded into the main stream offering. Sure. Like you can rent all of the scores for the orchestra or you can get canned music. Because MTI also offers they have a they have a program called Rehearse Score that yep. basically does that same thing yep. for the full shows, but you have to pay extra for it. Yep. Sure like do. it's an extra expense to get Rehearse Score. At the end of the day, they're a company and they're out to make a buck. Yes. And that's what it boils down to. So we're coming up on an hour here, no surprise. But uh, I did find my Into the Woods Junior script. Uh-huh. And there is a foreword in the beginning. Is there? That speaks of uh, Mr. Sondheim and Mr. Lawrence and how Into the Woods Junior came to be. So I'm just going to read this. Back in the late 1990s, MTI's chairman and CEO, Freddie Gershon, met with two of the most respected writers of the musical, Arthur Lawrence and Stephen Sondheim. They approached uh, Freddie Gershon with a challenge. Statistics showed that young people were not engaging in musicals. This is the mid-90s. In fact, the audiences for Broadway musicals were dying, literally. Unless something was done, the audiences for musicals would continue to diminish, and this uniquely American art form would be in danger of becoming irrelevant. That... Maybe, maybe not. That's not the point. Uh, MTI saw this as the challenge that was much bigger than Broadway, and, he saw, and they saw this as a national challenge and started asking questions of teachers, principals, and education experts. Why aren't young people engaging in musicals? Is there anything that can be done? What became clear through their research was this. Most kids experienced their first musical in high school, but by the time a kid reaches high school, their likes have already been established. If this challenge was to be met, kids needed to experience musicals in elementary and middle school. And with this discovery, Broadway Junior was born. Okay, I can follow the thought process so far. I don't know I agree with it all, but I follow the thought process. However, there was another challenge. Presenting a two-and-a-half-hour full-blown musical with elementary middle school-aged kids is simply not possible. The shows would need to be adapted to a running time of about an hour, and the keys of the music transposed so that changing voices could sing the show. This meant the show's authors, who are fiercely protective of their work, would need to be convinced that adapting their musicals was a good idea. The first authors to offer their approval were Stephen Sondheim and James Lapine for Into the Woods. 
And because of their approval, other authors gave their approval as well, and Broadway Junior was off and running. And that's how we have Into the Woods Junior as uh, the first one, or at least one of the first ones. And my understanding is that tried it as, hey, what if we just did Act 1? And then they did it, and it kind of worked, and then they said, we're not doing that again for any of these other shows. So... uh, Apparently, Sondheim blessed this 25 years ago, for better or worse, mm. and we see all of these see, uh, we see all of these middle schoolers attempt to do Steps of the Palace and just get their counting wrong. And uh, I thank YouTube for that. I took a critical thinking class in college. I read between the lines of that, like giving uh-huh. their blessing to the concept is not necessarily giving their blessing to the final product. Sure, sure, absolutely. They do cut like uh, first mi- one midnight gone and two midnights gone from Act One. Oh, I know exactly what they cut because I made a comprehensive list of everything that was cut. Well, you could have just done Act One. Like, it didn't need to be cut or changed. Okay, whatever. Uh, but it, it's certainly the only way. Uh, you know, middle schoolers are doing Into the Woods. They're and learning yeah. this intricate music, but. Huh. So those are that's uh junior musicals. Have we come to a conclusion? We listen, my conclusion is still I don't like them. I am not going to direct a junior show unless I am very forcibly backed into a corner. Sure. I will always choose to invest more money and more energy into doing the full length version of a show. But mm-hmm. that is my personal opinion, and that is because I have the privilege of working with an independent company that doesn't have to answer to a school board mm-hmm. and doesn't have to answer to a superintendent. Yeah. And I do have that privilege as part of my reality, and I am aware of that. And you get you get to draw high schoolers, too. I also get to draw high schoolers. I'm not, I would be doing much different shows if the majority of my group was middle school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, so I do recognize the importance of junior musicals and I recognize the place. And again, conceptually, I don't have as much of a problem. It's just the way that it's executed. And it's the, the content that is put out there that is bad. You can do high school musical too, Junior. I kind of want to. <laughs> Of course like, you do. <laughs> I would I would love to get to do high school musical junior in the fall, turn around and do high school musical two junior in the spring with the same exact cast. That sounds amazing. And if you want to hear more about our thoughts on high school musical two, you should subscribe to the Patreon because our recent Patreon episode is us doing a minute by minute commentary of high school musical two. Yes, which Cassie had not seen before. Had never seen before. It's a great film. Work of art. something. (laughs) Look, they commit. They all committed very, very hard to doing this very specific show. Uh, And uh, Ryan wins in the end. And really, that's what matters. It's true. Thanks for coming along with us on this journey into uh, junior musical world. Uh, Hopefully... Hopefully this was worth it and there were some insights in there. Uh, we'd love to hear uh, your opinions on if you've ever done or worked on uh, junior shows or maybe you did them yourself as a kid. It'd be great to hear from you uh, either on, over on our Twitter or uh, join our Discord pa- uh, through Patreon. Let us know uh, if you would ever do the musical adventures of Flat Stanley Jr. <laughs> Why? Okay, let's be clear. There is not an Adventures of Flat Stanley Senior. Like, no, there's there, not. It's not. It's just like, hey, we're gonna take your favorite books and make it a show. There is a Fiddler on the Roof Junior. I will never do it. Oh my god. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> well, this has been a good time. Uh, it's been. In the <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, Cassie, what show are you working on? At the moment, Adam's Family. Adam's Family. How's it going? Yes. It's going okay. I'm still only at rehearsals one day a week because of my work schedule. Um, but hopefully hopefully, with the start of the new month, I will start attending more regularly. I've been working on teaching Spanish accent to our Gomez and good getting props together. Those are my main jobs right now. Look, important jobs. Yeah. Somebody's got to do it. Absolutely. You don't have a show in a box.
No, but I'm sure next episode we will talk more about your show in a box, Newsies Junior, and get into the nitty gritty of where you are as you get ready for performance. Yeah, we are coming up quick on that. It'll be great. I'll probably come live from Tech Week for the next show. That'll be uh, interesting. I think we're supposed to get snowstorms too. Well, I hope that Paris has been pulling his weight and helping you out. I think Paris has been there and been helpful. They haven't shown themselves, but all of my lights work now. Okay, see, so good that's job, Paris. good. That's good because that building is going on a hundred years old. So we like we like a helpful theater ghost. We do we do stand a helpful theater ghost. Thanks for coming along with us by the ghost. Like that's all for us today. I'm Ryan. I'm Cassie. And join us next time by the ghost light. This has been a Ghostlight Media production.